Communication is many things. It's obviously the management of actual communications, what is said, to whom, when, and how, but we know that's far too narrow a definition of what we actually do and why it matters. We're more like the periscope that peeks above the surface to see what's on the horizon, the antenna that pick up signals about the environment, the membrane through which the enterprise interacts with the world around it, and we're the connective tissue that brings this complex system that is an enterprise into clearer focus as a coherent whole. Having that kind of wide lens is what separates good communications leaders from great ones. And perhaps nobody has a wider aperture to their lens than Rob Flaherty, the chairman of Ketchup. My view is it's 2020. You've all heard the phrase, hindsight is 2020. Once you've got something in your rearview mirror, you see it perfectly. Well, we should be using that to our advantage. As it turns out, 2020 is feeling to me a lot like 1920. Rob is an imposing figure, intellectually and physically. He's tall, and he has a commanding presence. He's seriously a creative genius, but more than that, he's, he's got this innate way of stepping back and seeing what others aren't. On today's episode, we'll hear some of what's on Rob's mind these days. What's changing about the role of business in society and how it may have echoes from history, and the role of CCOs in those businesses. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. You remember 1920, there, were, uh, there was a lot of concern about poor working conditions, child labor, sweatshops. There was a lot of concern about monopolies, the robber barons. There was a lot of concern and a lot of reality around extreme income inequality. Back then, the monopolists had names like Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, Morgan, Carnegie. They owned the utilities of our time, their railroads, the steel, the oil, the banks, the telephone companies. Well, many of the same conditions exist today. Income inequality, stagnant real wages among the middle class, an inadequate minimum wage for the working class. And frankly, we do have um, a rise of big, powerful corporations with a concentration of power and wealth. You can exchange the the Vanderbilts and and Rockefellers for names like Jeff Bezos and Tim Cook and Mark Zuckerberg and Sergey Brin. They are running today's utilities. It's literally how we buy everything on Amazon, how we see and hear everything via Apple, how we connect to everyone on Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, all owned by Facebook, how we access all information. Google, of course, also owns YouTube and many other things. That's why they call it Alphabet, by the way. Aren't those the current utilities of our time? And isn't it interesting that they are lightly regulated private sector companies? There is this concentration of power and wealth and data. Now, lest you think this is only a liberal anti-capitalist view, trust me, I'm a capitalist uh, and a registered Republican. And I would say that the greatest reaction to all of this has actually not been on the left, despite what you're seeing from the current Democratic political candidates. The, the greatest change was the reaction on the right, on the political right. It is that population that got Trump elected. There have been some recent stories about how uh, on a magnitude of two to one, poorer con- counties in the United States voted for Trump over Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. It was a feeling of being disenfranchised. Yes, it was mostly kind of older white people, but it was also 
poorer country, counties who had lost their manufacturing jobs, lost opportunity for the working class. As we know, Brexit is a result of the same thing in the United Kingdom, in which the areas of that country that were more rural and had lost economic opportunity voted to exit uh, the European Union, and the more uh, liberal urban centers voted to stay in with more positive economic opportunity. This growing feeling of disenfranchisement explains a lot of what's happening in the world. Jobs being displaced or replaced by technology or globalization, massive student debt, growing income inequality, the spread of infectious disease. Heck, climate change is the greatest threat to our planet, full stop. And yet the Greta Thunbergs of this world have little faith in the will or the ability of leaders to address it. All of these things in one way or another are creating a sense of distrust that the institutions that ought to be solving the great problems of our day can actually do it. The Edelman Trust Barometer has noticed this shift in which business ends up being among the more trusted institutions, given that trust is down across all of them. But people are basically saying we need business to play a leading role. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. But this year's Edelman Trust Barometer actually had a really interesting set of questions that showed that uh, more than half of people believe capitalism is on the wrong path. And it brought about how scared people are, fearful they are. You've seen other research that shows that sadly, most people in the millennial generation, for example, don't believe they'll be better off than their parents. So there is this, this real shift in public opinion and sentiment toward opportunity. Now, of course, it is giving rise to uh, great agitation on the left with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And in 1920, there was a similar movement. And guess what? It was called a progressive movement. The people who were leading it were called socialists. But those socialists, including the trust buster Teddy Roosevelt and also his cousin, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought us the New Deal, Social Security. They created one of my favorite things, The Weekend, which didn't exist. I can tell you my grandfather worked seven days a week. The eight-hour workday and unions and union protections. It also, the 1920s, gave rise to something very germane to us, which is a field called public relations. It's when we were invented to help bridge between the negative reaction and feeling about capitalism and companies, and society's changing expectations. Bridging the divide is one thing, but communications is just as much about changing the behavior of the organization, the way that it actually operates. As we all know, that can be a lot tougher. And I am concerned about that. You know, it's one thing the Business Roundtable and Larry Fink to say we have to change the role of the corporation, and it has to be focused not just on short-term earnings, double-digit earnings, but on taking care of all stakeholders. Honestly, I don't see it happening. And the current breed of directors on boards and CEOs have been raised with this Pavlovian response. The ringing of the bell, literally on Wall Street, says to them, you need double-digit earnings, double-digit earnings, double-digit earnings every quarter. So there might be some corporations saying we should eliminate earnings projections. We should not be so tied to quarterly earnings. But boy, is that, that is going to be such a seismic shift. CCOs are also prisoners of short-termism. 
look at average tenure in the position. I think it's better than both CEOs and CMOs, but it's you know a matter of a few years, three or four or five years. If that's your time horizon, why are you tackling this? And, and that is a huge problem. The biggest issues facing society and business today are a 10-year time horizon. And too many people, whether it's the elected official who, who has a two-year election cycle or a six-year election cycle or a four-year election cycle, they're focused on their next election. Uh, and, and business is sadly focused on the next quarter. But if you're a CEO, you're focused uh, hopefully on a decade in the role, but you really want to survive the first few years by delivering what the markets demand. Mm -hmm. That leads to short-termism, and you need to summon the will to say we need to do something that's going to take some time and to put the building blocks in place whether you get to get to the top of the mountain or not. So the question I would ask is, if the frustrations are once again boiling over in 2020, what's going to happen? Well, a friend of mine said this is either going to end in regulation or revolution or both. And I do think it's both. So the question is, what is our field going to do? Shouldn't we be at the center of this discussion and a central role with the executive committees of our companies and boards about this tectonic shift? And I'd ask people who are listening, are you central to this discussion? Are you a leader in raising awareness of the need? Okay, you're, you're helping your company with so many other things, all of its goals and objectives. I'm sure you are involved in ESG, environmental sustainability and governance. But does it stop there? Does it stop at you know diversity, sustainability? environmental stewardship, or are you now engaged in the larger issue of the primary purpose of the corporation in relation to communities, employees, partners, and customers? Because I think that's where we need to be involved. We often say that, that the communications function is one of the only functions that isn't locked into one stakeholder. You know, marketing focused on the customer. Uh, the CFO and investor relations focused on the investor. Uh, HR focused on the employee. Well, we always try to look across all of those. And guess what? It's called stakeholder capitalism for a reason. Because it means this is a time when the corporation needs to focus on all of those stakeholders. We should be at the forefront as CCOs in helping the leadership of the company see this coming get the larger picture, not just we need a purpose, we need sustainability. We've been on that track now for a while. I'm worried always about inertia within corporations and our field, which means you stay on a straight line continuing to do what you think you're supposed to be doing unless there's some external force that shifts your direction. We kind of need to be the external force along with you know Larry Fink and the Business Roundtable and others. And we need to let people, management, see it in its totality. Be a student of this. Be a student of history so that you can really see this is a tectonic shift. And we should be helping them to see that and appreciate that it's more than what we've been doing, that it speaks to the very motivations of the company and the rewards and incentives behind it, and lead in taking that multi-stakeholder view. You know, in the, in the 
In the Paysetter Report, the progression path for societal values suggests, and the cultural track also suggests that you'd be putting in place a systemic approach to cultural change and to a change in the company delivering societal value. So in this case, if you're gonna be systemic about this, you have to reorient everyone in the company, starting at the top, the board, the CEO, the C-suite, and then they have to believe it, and then you have to do training and education of your people, backed by rewards, incentives, new staff roles, swapping out others, putting in new ones, uh, aligning with the, the stakeholder groups that are of equal importance to the shareholder, thinking about training, retraining, thinking about investment in R&D, innovation, entrepreneurship within the company. And we can play a central role in that because that is cultural change. It is, uh, it is education. Uh, and it would you know, be the full employment act for our field if we put ourselves at the center of it. Rob's been talking about the enormous changes to business as a whole and our role in those changes. That's certainly one big opportunity for communicators. Our CCO's Paysetter report is all about the pervasive transformation that's happening in business today and how we can be supporting that. But the report also talks about the really dramatic transformation that's happening within our own function. If you're an optimist, you see both of these as two enormous opportunities for us to lead in our field. If you're a pessimist, you see that these are really two existential threats to our future, because if we don't do this, someone else will. And it's certainly true on Comtech. We've talked about Comtech on this podcast before. If you haven't already, Check out the episodes with Daniel Yurg of Farner Consulting and Dan Lockman of Mitsubishi Heavy. For today's purposes, I'll just say that ComTech is a new discipline for our profession. It uses data to understand stakeholders as unique individuals, to bring them tailored content and experiences based on those insights, and to nurture them along a journey toward a desired action or outcome. It has its roots in marketing or MarTech, where that outcome is often about selling something, but for comms, the applications can be much broader. If any one of you listening to this works in close proximity to the marketing function in your, in your company, or if you're a close observer of the past 10 years of the evolution of marketing and advertising, you know that there have been these giant MarTech and AdTech conferences all over the world for the past decade. You could pick up a quarter and throw it in any city in the United States or in Europe and hit a MarTech conference. They're going on constantly, and they're built around a revolution in marketing as it capitalizes on technology to better identify, target, reach, and measure everything that they're doing. Uh, you know, it leads to things like programmatic buying, the use of algorithms to target people, some of the technologies that Google and Facebook use being applied to marketing. So the question then, you know, became, where's Comtech? You know, in marketing, there's a well-established set of technologies. It's called the MarTech stack, the stack of technologies. Where's the ComTech stack? And who among you listening to this podcast can name it? Believe me, people in marketing, and my friend John Awada, having been the CMO of IBM for many years, can attest to this. Anyone worth anything in marketing can recite the main elements of the MarTech stack. I think in public relations and, and communications, we have fallen behind. 
and we're missing a huge opportunity. And just like stakeholder capitalism begs for us to play a role because we're focused on stakeholders, those of us in public relations, after all, our role is helping to manage relationships with various publics, are actually having some of those, that relationship intermediary role taken away from us by more tech-focused disciplines within the company. And here I refer to certain aspects of social, digital, content marketing, uh, marketing overall. They're, they've gotten faster, they're tech-savvy faster than we have, and as a result are owning some pretty imp important things like influencers or reaching out through um, SEO and search engine optimization or reaching out through YouTube and you know pre-roll ads on on YouTube so much of that is organic content the more real it is the better and yet in some cases because we're not as tech savvy we've ceded that ground to other disciplines and we shouldn't be if you feel you are where you should be on this I would ask um, do you have vendors and more importantly staff inside your function in the following 15 categories okay <laughs> content planning content management social media publishing external monitoring site health search engine optimization business intelligence content tracking paid amplification and targeting competitive social performance trend tracking, story sharing, disinformation warning systems, data dashboards. That to me are some of the components of the ComTech stack. We should be active in all of those. I find that only a few companies are in most of those categories. Many are in some of them. Things like external monitoring, a certain amount of search engine optimization, a certain amount of trend tracking and story sharing. But if you look at the totality of that stack, I would suggest most in-house functions and agencies have quite a ways to go. And I guess my feeling is that not only should we adopt technology faster to be more effective, but our field is needed at the center of the use of these technologies to make sure they are used ethically. These technologies use personal data, they use algorithms, they use artificial intelligence to target, reach, segment, identify people. A lot of ethical issues in that. And our field can help look out for the ethical use of personal data, algorithms, and AI. But we need to be in the game in order to do it. Maybe it's an irony a coincidence, but I, I'll note that the great Harold Burson lived almost an entire century. It brackets this whole period in which capitalism started as such a negative influence in society that a field called public relations was created to bridge the chasm between societal expectations and the behavior of corporations. In the middle of the last century, the turn toward shareholder value as the only primary role of the corporation takes hold from 1970 until right now. Now societal expectations are changing very rapidly. And I think it would be the best tribute to Harold Burson's legacy. Harold always understood that on a good day we were helping to shape the policies and actions of the corporation, not just its words. 
the best way we could honor his legacy would be to take this into the future and play a role in the biggest thing going on in the clash between society and business today, the biggest thing going on in the business world, the questioning of the fundamental purpose of the corporation. We were invented to play a central role in that challenge, and I hope we rise to the occasion. If you enjoyed today's episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. To find out more about what's happening at PAGE, please visit us at page.org. Special thanks go to Morning Consult and to Rivet Smart Audio, our podcast sponsors. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this podcast to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the new CCO.